1: eighteen plus. I'm Frank Benali. There's this Klaus Fundicram. I'm Matt Leticia. Dean Hammond here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is Letiche.
2: Oh, Belcher! But got a hand-trick! That's an unbelievable hand-trick to Sadio Mane! Shane Long takes Southampton to Wembley! Graciano
1: Pella with a left-foot strike! we lifts it and he's got it in as well!
0: And Danny Ings has done it again! Yeah.
3: For so checking out In That Number with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush and my co host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84. Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, In That Number Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you need bothered, send us an email to In That at gmail.com. Leave us a five star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go.
1: Welcome back to another episode of In That Number. This is episode 161. Uh, And what a treat we have in store for you today. With the season just one week away, we get the lowdown on everything you need to know with our very special guest. Uh, But before we get him in, let's get in the Moscow mush, Kevin Milberton. Uh, And also, we welcome back Tim Bezantz. Guys, how are you doing? Yeah. Uh,
3: Yeah, I'm good. I'm alive. I'm kicking
1: I was hoping for a little bit more of a you know, enthusiastic response there. Ken. Yes, <laughs> that's better. Uh, Tim, how are you? It's good to have you back.
0: Uh, oh, it's good to be back. It's uh, it's 5 a.m. here in North Carolina. Uh, the frogs are live and well still this mating. morning. Yes, they are. out. Well, their mating calls are quite over, and now it feels like they're just dying outside. I don't. I, I it just <laughs> it just transitions to go from like a ribbit to a really loud squeaking sound that i just met just i feel like i hear dolphins outside but i definitely don't live on the ocean i love in the <laughs> central of the coast the central estate that is
1: well i mean we can't hear them so it's fine that's good guys are you excited about the new season and you know to get back into this hectic routine i'm nervous what about the show or about the season everything yeah yeah, I am. I am, to be honest. But I mean, I went to St Mary's yesterday. It was the first time back, and and, and you know, it was right there that I felt, yeah, it's so good to be back. Seeing Prowsey take a corner right in front of me again, it was like, yeah, it felt like I hadn't been away. So it was, um, it's it's good to
0: go. I'm back. really excited to play us in Football Manager. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic because I think it's like playing on easy mode. <laughs> if you ever take buy the buy all the youth up and put them in one area. It's basically what
1: what Ralph is doing.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, uh, I think the majority of the team can't even drink in the U.S., which is crazy to think about. Because, uh, (laughs) uh, but beyond that, it's uh,
3: it's looking very promising in three years. Playing championship manager in order to prepare for being a championship (laughs) manager. Oh dear.
1: Um, right, anyway, uh, today we're going to discuss the arrivals, the departures, uh, we're going to go through pre-season, um, and we'll get those predictions in. And to help us do this today, we have the Athletics Saints reporter, Jacob Tanswell. Jacob, a massive welcome to in that number, and thank you so much for sharing your precious time with us.
2: <laughs> no, thank you very much for having me on. I know uh, that was in different time
1: zones, so I really, really appreciate it as well. Yeah, so uh, we got Kev, what time is that over there for you? Uh, it's yes.
3: quarter past twelve.
1: Oh, it's not too bad for you, then. It's just, just gone lunch. Yeah, and it's uh, quarter past ten over here in, South Hampton, in sunny Southampton. Um, and, Tim, what's the weather like over well,
0: there? Well, it's really dark outside, and it is 90 degrees. So let me do some quick math off the top of my head. So it's going to be something like 28 Celsius. That's too uh, for me. And that's it, it's still dark out, so it'll only get to about uh, 31, 32 uh, degrees Celsius here today. With with a little rain. Mm,
1: don't like that. Um, anyway, uh, Jacob, how is life uh, with the athletic and and covering? Oh uh, yeah, really good. Thanks.
2: Really enjoy. It. I think we're just over a uh, month in now, uh, and it's just I've covered to Lambton before a couple of years ago, so it's just great to be back and covering a team I support. is yeah, it's one of my dreams, and yeah, really looking forward to everything getting underway and the new season starting. Really.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I've been following you ever since you you came on board with the Athletic, and it's um your content's great, and hence why we've we've got you on the show today. Mm-hmm. So it'll be great to um to have a chat and, and find out about our new Absolutely, exactly, Thank you. Yeah, could you tell us how
3: you um fell into your role at the Athletic? Obviously, you've been covering football for a while. What's your journey been like? Yeah.
2: So I I I used to play in the academy for Bournemouth just briefly, and I realised about sixteen. I was much better talking about it and writing about it than I was playing it. Quite, a, quite a big difference actually. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I just started writing. I, I went to Eastleigh, uh, obviously locally, and I just started writing and just it, my passion just grew and grew. And then I briefly covered Southampton during the lockdown season, uh, going to games and writing, and just really, that's how I started to grow a bit more of a platform. And then on the back of that, I then had a season last year at Bournemouth covering Bournemouth of their promotion uh, season, which was fantastic. And then, obviously, w- we've heard that, that Dan Sheldon was going to be leaving. And, yeah, just got approached from there. And it was a, an opportunity that I couldn't turn down.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And That's... what's it going to be like playing Bournemouth for you? Is it going to be a bit... <laughs> you know...
2: No, it'd be great. They, they, I think, they all knew uh, that I supported Southampton, and I'm from Southampton, so it's, there's no rivalry like that. But yeah, I, I do have a soft football, for sure.
0: So I do have one question. Uh, so thanks so very much, Jacob, for coming on. Do you did you ever anticipate those two pictures of you being a little kid in the fir- first article you got there on <laughs> June 20th would would be uh, would be now blasted out to the world to see? <laughs> so, so for the description here, one of them is uh, him. With quite the missing teeth in uh in a, in a white and red wig yelling and screaming in the stands, uh which is a beautiful picture, and then him obviously rushing the field and looking like you are on uh, cloud nine at the moment uh just I, I couldn't tell you exactly what uh what year that was because um but that's still both pretty cool pictures that you got that you are able to show and share and connect with the uh, the saints fans.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. I wasn't sure whether to include them in that introductory piece, thinking, you know, for one, they're quite embarrassing. Two, two, do I really want to, you know, if fans start turning on me, do do I really want them to see that type of picture? Because I know that'll be brought up, you know, whenever (laughs) I do something bad. So I thought maybe not. But then I just thought, yeah, let's just go for it. And I think the first one with... You know, quite the the, the mile long gap in my teeth was uh, the <laughs> was um Stern John keeping Southampton up in what circa 2007 maybe that was yeah yeah and then the second picture when I ran onto the pitch was obviously the the um that Coventry game
1: so, promotion um, yeah yes
2: promotion yeah. so those are the two stand stand-up memories from me, as well as Idris's missed penalty which I I said about <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. I want to let you know that's what
0: actually endeared me to you is your willingness <laughs> to be uh, vulnerable in the scope in the scope of everything being today's day and age. Uh, you know, on in, you know, uh, once you put everything on the website on the on the, in the internet, yeah, you can the whole world knows. So I I appreciate that and that really was it was pretty cool uh, to see those two pictures.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't wor- I wouldn't worry about the Saints fans turning against you because we all know they turn they turn against Ralph straight away as soon as one result <laughs> goes wrong. So don't worry, you're safe. <laughs> that's good to know.
2: But no, I thought if I'm going to be a Southampton correspondent. Uh, I've got to show that um, I am a Southampton fan as well. I think that's something that fans probably wanted, and something I think
1: they can build a rapport with. Absolutely. Just don't go to Manchester now, will you?
3: <laughs> that seems to be the
2: theme, doesn't it?
3: <laughs> it does, yeah. Yeah, so we've got, we've got a few seconds here. We're just going to start by talking about um, the ins and outs um, in the between the seasons. And um, I've seen many departures, really, um, from, from the first team. Uh, Fraser Forster uh, was released, as was Harry Lewis, Romello Mitchell and my man crush, uh, Shane Long. Uh, who's since joined Reading, Bryce um, has gone to Spurs, Harry Lewis to Bradford and uh, Romello Mitchell, who, yeah, when he signed for us, we, we had such high expectations for him, but um, yeah, he's gone up to to West Brom, um, mm-hmm. sent a few players out on loan as well, uh, so Caleb Watts has gone to Morecambe, Kazina uh, beat to Ross County, Dan Pollute to Cheltenham, uh, Will Smallbone to Stoke uh, Kegg's Chalky to Exeter and Thierry Small to Port Vale um, yeah I mean out with that lot is there anyone that you were disappointed in losing?
2: I think a lot of fans would have liked to kept Fraser Forster wouldn't they?
3: Yeah. So, oh, yeah.
2: And then you think okay maybe Gavin Bazunu comes in, he's been, they've been talking to him since February you think okay I can see why they've let Fraser Forster go but other than that I think they're all quite fair, I think Thierry Small there was a chance that he would hang around in the first team picture, but then it became clear, especially towards the back end of, you know, Austria, uh, the Watford game as well, that he needed to go on loan. So I think they're all quite obvious uh, departures. And I like to think there, w- there will be a few more as well to come.
1: I mean, I, p- me personally, Jacob, I, I was disappointed to see Kazim Legby go because he was fantastic for the B team last year. And I was mm. hoping he was going to make that transition to the, to the first team this season. But, yeah. I mean, he's going to be getting regular football at Ross County, so that can't be a bad thing. No, definitely. I think you've seen what Ross
2: County did last year as well with some slams and players. And I think the references they got, you know, they improved substantially after that because Ross County is a, is a club that I think the way they operate is quite conducive to lone players. And Kazim hasn't really had men's football. So making the step up, you know, it's not exactly the biggest either making a step out to the first team will seem probably too too steep at the time. So if he just goes to Ross County, almost bridge the gap between youth team football and senior team football, then uh, hopefully next year he'll be better for it.
1: Yeah, and I was quite surprised with Will Smallbone as well, because, I mean, mm. him he, he's had a lot of first team football. And, and Caleb Watts, Watts as well. I know he was injured last season, um, but he's had first team football. Uh, mm. Dan and Lindeloo, I'm not so sure he's ever going to make it, in my personal opinion. Um, mm. he, he's at that age now where he should be playing For us, but you know he just can't quite make the grade for some reason. Mm,
2: I think so too. I think he was a little bit unlucky last year. I know he he went on loan, didn't he? And then a couple of days later, he did that hamstring, which ruled out for the rest of the season. So he's not he's not at the best of luck. But I think you'd like to think that now he's back, he's returned to the club. um, He can really push on and have a have a better loan spell. And it's probably uh, it's same as with a lot of players, really. It's it's kind of his last chance this season. So will be really interesting to see his progress.
1: If if Caleb Watts didn't have that injury, do you think he would have been sent out on loan again, or do you think he would have been given more of a more of a chance?
2: I think he would still be sent on uh, loan. Well, it's just similar to small, Smallbone because although he's been in and around the squad for a while, he, he had made 22 first team appearances in three years because of injuries. He needs to get first team football, and as much as I thought he was really quite impressive in in Austria, he he needed to be playing week in week out. And with the amount of a field that Southampton had got, and perhaps they might bring even more in. But it's not good enough to sit on the bench or be in and around the squad for another season. He's not really played that much for being, what, 22, almost 23. Mm-hmm. So I think with him and Caleb Watts, they do need to get first team football to play because it's all right being in the first team. But they'll be, what, restricted to Carabao Cup, FA Cup appearances at most, really. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it's a sensible decision.
1: Right. OK, uh, signings then. Uh, this is what we really want to know about. Uh We'll start with, with Gavin Bazunu then from yeah. Man City, 16, 16 million quid. Mm. Uh, I say we all knew that, that the loss of Big Frays and, and Harry Lewis, they were allowed to leave, obviously, contracts up. And it was essential to get a keeper in as soon as possible before pre-season. And that's exactly what's happened. Um, mm. But what, what can you tell us about Gavin Bazzunu? Uh, mm. Why should we be excited for this kid?
2: Well, I was current ball last year. Mark Travers was by far, in my opinion, the best championship goalkeeper uh, there and I think he's superb, and I think he'll step up, step up to the Premier League quite easily. The fact that Gavin Bazunu is Ireland's number one ahead of Cameron Kelleher at Liverpool and Travers at Bournemouth, I think that tells you straight away you know, how highly regarded he is and his, pe- and his potential. I know most Premier League clubs inquired about him at some point last season, In Everton were really, really interested, and I think Bazunu decided that he'd be better in a better environment at Southampton. So there's a lot to be excited about, the, you know, as I said, the fact that he's is number one, the fact that there's loads of Premier League clubs that were interested in him. And he's a guy that thought, OK, I'll be, be- better served going to Southampton where I can develop. And the way Southampton are playing at the moment, where their goalkeepers are are frequently outside the box, I think Alex McCarthy <laughs> made double the amount of pass, short passes against Monaco as he ever has done in his career in any game. So there's a lot to be excited about in terms of distribution and Bazunu. That's one of his strengths. I was talking to a guy at Portsmouth, and Danny Cowley would often say, "Gavin, you've got to stand in your box sometimes because you're so eager to come out and be a third centre back." So, yeah, it's going to be really exciting, and it's a new wave of goalkeeper that, that We arguably haven't had for a while with Paul Stewart, McCarthy, and God.
1: Yeah, and hopefully we can keep him around for a little little bit longer. Um and obviously he's, he's bettered himself from last season of mm. course um but do, do you do you feel that he gets the start right away or is it more likely that ralph turns to to ah. Macca? um because if we're to go off pre-season i mean ralph has rather deliberately played them both on and off and both mm. getting exactly 225 minutes each pre-season <laughs>
2: yeah. um, i think i think that's just it's a toss of a coin in terms of what we think isn't it because there's nothing to suggest one or the other isn't it but um it was always going to be a shootout. I think Buzuni probably had the edge heading into pre-season, judging by uh, him coming in, uh, signing fans, I think prefer Gavin Buzuni, judging by what you hear on Twitter. But that's not always the best barometer, I guess. Um, I, I, It's going to be between Ralph and Andrew Sparks, the goalkeeping coach, and a decision is likely to be made now, uh, tomorrow morning, you know, start of the week, on that, and then they'll start training in that shape for Tottenham, but if you have to ask me, I probably would go for Gavin Bazunu, but I'm not too worried about either, because as much as I know Alex McCarthy gets slandered and criticised a lot on Twitter, I don't think he's bad as people say he is. And he's, uh, he's, he is adapting, because he was a goalkeeper that would have come off his line and wasn't very good with his feet, and I think he's made a lot of improvements, despite sometimes showing some teething issues.
1: Yeah, I'm like you. I think Bazunu will start, and that he probably would get my vote, mm. um, but I'm not I'm not so down on, on Macca. I'm not yeah, it just I think his good outweighs the bad, and people yeah. remember the bad a lot more. That's the, that's the way I see um, Alex McCarthy.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I think so, too. so There's a handful of players that are in a situation in terms of
1: you always you always feel like you're looking out for that
2: mistake and kind of neglecting yeah. the other 89 minutes or so. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, won't
3: it? it will. Yeah, I mean that that leads me to the the, the next question about signings. Um, I, we've re-signed Willie Caballero for. A, Another year, yeah. and yeah. also brought in Mateusz Lis from mm. Altai on, on a free. Mm. Um, so, what kind of role do you see for the remaining two goalkeepers? Um, mm. We sort of suspected that Lis was going to go out on, on loan mm. straight away, but that hasn't happened. You-
2: no, I'm su- I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet because that was one of the you know that was very very likely in you know when he signed. So. I still expect him to go out on loan, yeah, but I think that's judging by the lack of preseason minutes in the first team. Uh, Willie Caballero, I don't think he know. I think he recognises and understands that he's not going to play unless something goes wrong. But mm. from what you hear as well, you know the reports you get from Willie Caballero, they the, the players seem to love him in that change room. He's so so key. He's he keeps the morale up because towards the end of last season, I'm sure things got pretty tough in that change room. But he's experienced. He's seen it all. You know, he's come in. Uh, he signed a new contract to essentially be a mentor to Gavin Bazoon as well, on and off the field. Uh, the way he prepares for games, his, his professionalism, he's really, really key. And he's always playing that role of Stuart Taylor that was there a couple of years back,
1: where
2: mm. he's not going to play, but he's just good to have it around in the changing room. You see that a lot, a lot of Premier League clubs now, you know, Scott Carson and Man City, uh, Lee Grant and Man United, a couple of years, for a couple of yeah. years. You know, these these keepers are really, really important, even if they're not, you know, making an
1: impact on the pitch. I so just speak yeah, it's almost it's almost as if we've got another goalkeeping coach there as well. Just yeah. sign him up for another year. It's not going to cost anything uh, apart from the wages. And mm. yeah, and like, like you said, if something does go wrong, then he can jump in. It's it's, it's I don't disagree with it at all. I think it's great. Mm,
2: definitely, I think he's, I think he's a superb signing and you know
1: a super guy. But from what you hear, yeah, um, and more signings then Armel Belakotchap from Bochum, uh, German under twenty one. Um, tell us more about him because I mean. Mm. Played an hour against Leipzig, uh, second half against Klagenfurt, first half against Watford, um, limited time against Monaco. I think he came on the 77th. Um, and he played 73 minutes yesterday against Villarreal. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you made of him so far?
2: I, I think he's good. Uh, when he, when he signed, I spent about two days watching most of his games from last year. And the first thing that stuck out from me was, my God, you are very, very similar to Salisu in the way you play. Uh, it's oh, God, so I mean he's going to get booked
1: every week. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Quick front foot aggressive but he's lacking that passing uh, progression which is something I worry about playing with a back three because you know, apart from Jack Stevens who you know his future's un- quite unclear, it's not really anyone that can play out from the back. And if Slangton were gonna sign a centre back, I thought they would kind of get someone in that mold. But, you know, like Salisu, Belakotch's potential is vast and you know the way Slams are playing in possession. You know the two wing backs are pushing really, really high forward, which means you know the two outside centre backs, in Alisson, and Belakocha, have got a lot, lot of space. So I think one thing that comes across with Belakocha is he's very quick and he's very comfortable in, in manning large areas you know, on the pitch, which perhaps Benrick isn't, and that's why he's playing in the middle of the three. So hmm. I think he's raw. I think it'll be a risk to start him with Spurs. But it looks like that will be the case. But you know, I'm not sure we're going to talk about it. But Jan Valery, I think he's been really impressive pre-season, and he could be perhaps pushing for a spot on in the back three as well.
1: Yeah, Belikotchep seems to me that he's like a passion project of Ralph. It's just someone that he has to mould, um, youngster coming in, and something that he wants to get his print on and mm. you know turn into a into the defender that we need.
2: I think so too. But it's just whether whether <laughs> when they lose if they're going to lose a few games and they get hammered. Uh, will Bella Koch up still, you know,
1: keep his pace in the team. Mm, yeah, I hope it's not another Kevin Danzo. Vagar, <laughs> <laughs> foreign, uh, yeah, and foreign. Yeah, <laughs> oh god.
3: Next up, um, yeah, Romeo Laviot, very young and very raw. You've seen a lot of them in pre season. What, what do you make of him? He's the one I'm most
2: excited about, to be honest with you, because it's quite. Funny that Ralph doesn't think, you know, Oral May can play as a holding midfielder on his own anymore because he hasn't got the mobility. So you'd like to think that is going to come in straight away. And for a guy that made, has made, what, two come appearances for Man City, he's going to be thrown straight in and he's going to play a lot, similar to what Tino Livermento did last year. Uh, I've watched a lot of him. He was too good, way too good for uh, Premier League 2 last year. And I've watched him a few times for Belgium under-19s. So he looks really good going forward as well. He just looks like all action as well, and he's he doesn't look like the type of midfielder that's going to shy away. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be really in, instrumental to the way Southampton play. Try to play out from the back as well, and to to play out from the back and play in that position is you know you require a lot of confidence, and he's 18, so you know it's going to be it's going to be difficult. But he, you know, from what you hear, Pep Guardiola rated him really really highly, and yeah, I think he wanted to keep him in his plans, but the problem was he's going to be another 2 to 3 years until Guardiola deemed him, mm. deemed him ready so yeah coming to Southampton soon perhaps for a couple of years learning i'm really really excited to see where he goes
1: yeah i think you need to listen to pep as well don't you um, yeah. but wh- wh- when we when the transfer broke i read your tweets um, and you said that he hasn't been pigeonholed into a set type of mm. midfielder which could suit us mm. um, does this mean that he's going to be given free reign across across the middle and change you know with with the game as necessary or do you see yeah. him as a sole number 6 I think he a him season as a sole
2: number 6 at the moment but it depends on the system because at the moment they they only play one holding midfielder where I think the second half yesterday uh, it was Mauro alongside Lavier at times so yes I think that would that would suit Lavier as well because for Belgium he played a little bit further forward to the like, to the right of a midfield three <laughs> similar to what our is doing now and he's very good at timing his runs to get in the box he's a very powerful runner without the ball as well so I think he can play in a lot of positions in center midfield, field, not just necessarily sticking him at the base of it.
1: Yeah, and I saw him in the flesh for the first time against uh, the RAL yesterday. He came mm. off late, so I got to see a lot of him. And I do like him. I mean, he, he doesn't look it, but he has got some strength there. And he yeah. looks like he's very good protecting the ball, and he doesn't mind shoving people around either.
2: Mm. I think one thing that I cut, um, struck me when I watched him against Watford it was he's very similar to Paul Pogba in a way. He loves to feel physical contact. He receives the ball and it's, yeah. his, his hand's always looking for some physical contact. He likes to shield the ball. And it's a little bit of an issue if there's two players pressing you. Uh, but in terms of holding one player off, he's very, very comfortable. And in midfield, where it's quite congested, I think that really suits him. and suits the lantern as well.
1: A lot of bookings come in there for shirt pulling, <laughs> I see.
2: <laughs> I'd imagine so, yeah. But he is quicker than Romain, so he likes to think on counter-attacks, so he'll be a little bit quicker in making those recovery tackles.
1: Yes, and uh, Joe Aribo, I'm, I'm yeah. most excited about this kid. I mean, you yeah, tweeted the fact that, yeah, that he, he's played the most football on planet Earth last season. Um, <laughs> very versatile as well. Yeah. So they say, you know, I mean, what more can you tell us about him? Because, I mean, that party piece yesterday, that goal against Rio Real was, was incredible.
2: Amazing, wasn't it? I asked Aribo uh, after, after the game, I said, what's your favourite position? And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders. to it. Anywhere that I'm basically in the best position to shoot or make an impact, so I think he likes playing in the number ten role, and he did that second half yesterday, and he looked he looked fantastic. I thought even against Monaco, he came alive second half. He's so strong. He's got this dribbling style that just bustles his way through players, and that was that was, that was, that was just so perfectly captured, you know, against in his goal yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's a deeply religious man. He's very humble. He's very quiet off the field. He, work, he runs and runs and runs. As, as you said, he, you know, he played the most minutes on, planet, on the planet last, last year. So, he, on the face of things, you think he suits Ralph so, so easily because he, he's adaptable. He says yes to anything. He's got a can do attitude. He's durable as well. He can press. He is the perfect
1: Ralph Arsenal slam to the signing, isn't he? Oh, I'd like to think so. But, I mean, where do you see Ralph utilising him? I mean, well, where can we get the best out of him?
2: He played in a midfield three yesterday, didn't he? And I'm not sure. Yeah. I'd like to see him further forward because he really make, looks like he can make an impact you know, in that forward area with assists and goals. So, I oh, would it be two against him? It, if, if they're going to stick with that 3-5-2 system, would it be two against him playing up front next uh, on the gates first? Yeah. I'd like to see uh, it. But uh, If it's the 4-2-2, two, 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 I'd like to see him in one of those number 10 roles for sure.
1: Yeah, I will. I mean, I don't like the the three at the back, the wing backs. So I'm not sure that is the best thing that we can do, um, leaving that sole striker up front. But if he's roaming around behind him, then, you mm-hmm. know, that's going to get some bums out of seats, I'm sure. Mm.
2: Similar to Stuart Armstrong, in a way, isn't it? He's very good dribbling going forward. Yeah,
3: yeah and the last edition, um, Sehu Mara from Bordeaux signed on a four-year deal for 11 million quid. Uh, he's only mm. 20 years old. Forwards came through the youth system at Paris Saint-Germain. Mm. Uh, scored six goals for Bordeaux last season. Um, obviously, he's a, a late signing. we haven't really seen much of him. Did the play against Villarreal? Um, yes. Yeah, so what, what do you make of him coming in?
2: I think he's got so much potential. I know they're really, really excited about that signing because I don't think they saw that opportunity coming because they were they were looking at Emmanuel Dennis uh, for 20 million. I think that was the mm. the, the fee that Watford were, were suggesting. And Sekou Mara, because of Bordeaux's absolute dire financial state, as well as, you know, Slamson being in the market for a striker, I think he made really perfect sense. He's not going to come in uh, oh. and send me the guy you re- really rely on. But at the same time, he's going to be a guy that's going to feature heavily. And, you know, you speak to people around him, they say one of his best attributes is heading. And you think, if you're going to have wing-backs who are going to cross the ball a lot, I think it could be quite useful for the way Slamson attack. So it gives you something different. I think they desperately needed that striker, and he's got really big belief in himself. He, he he turned down a contract at PSG when he was 12 because he wasn't playing as a number nine. That takes a lot. That yeah. takes a lot of courage. So uh, I think nice. Faith in faith in your ability. Faith in your ability, and I think he's got that. So even when know it was his 20th birthday yesterday, I don't think you know, coming to Slamton or the Premier League is gonna face him too much.
1: It, something I noticed uh, when they were doing the warm-ups as well, he looks well settled already. He looks like he was having a laugh and a joke with his with his new teammates and stuff. Mm. And he looks like he's he's gonna. I know he's going to need more time to develop, and you know you can't expect goals straight away. But mm. he does look like he's um he's settling in nicely. No, so I, I am excited.
2: Definitely, because I think there's a, you know there's a French contingent there. You know, Yann Valery's. Uh, you know, he's really a good guy by all accounts. He helps play settle in. and he's, you know, he gives a lot of advice and although he's only young himself, uh, I think he's a really good guy to have in the dressing room as well. And, you know, you see from his stats, I think he shoots, you know, the most <laughs> of you know top 4% of any striker in top five European leagues. So you would have to wow. think that's going to, that's going to help sometimes and some are of struggling to perhaps, you know, unlock the door. So just shooting from anywhere uh, would be, would be quite good. He, I think he ranks really highly for pressing as well. So uh, similar to Rebo, he, yeah, he, he looks like a perfect Arsenal signing.
1: I mean, you mentioned that uh, Lavia was the, the one that you were most excited of these of these new signings. Mm. Um, uh, but was there was there a player that you feel didn't get enough time in pre-season? Obviously, Myra's only just come in, so I, I'll exclude him from that. But was there someone that you wanted to see more of?
2: Yeah, Dino Simu, I thought...
1: I would like to see him a little bit more. I know
2: they've, they've got so many centre backs, but uh, he's one that, you know, going back to my point about p- perhaps not being the best at progressing the ball out from the back, he's one that I thought could could help with that. And I know he was he's only young and, you know, and he only was in League Two last year, but he was really he had a really really good loan spell at Carlisle, probably the only Salamanca player that's had a top top loan spell in you know the last couple of years. So he's one that I would like to see a little bit more. I think he got one half against Leipzig, if I remember. And he's Mm -hmm. probably going to go alone, But yeah, he's one that I would have liked to see, especially if Benerick and Stevens do end up leaving.
1: Yeah. And in terms of more transfers coming in or indeed out, Mm. uh, have you got any uh, latest reports on Liam DeLapp?
2: He looks like he's going to Stoke uh, from what you hear uh, from Dan Sharon reported yesterday. Now he's in Manchester, Um, (laughs) but it's perfect for him, really. you they City do not want to lose him uh permanently and I think that speaks volumes of how much they rate him because they were prepared to let you know lots of Bozuna or Lavia go with, with buyback clauses but uh, I think they see Lavia as, um sort of Dillap as someone that can come in and make an impact next year so I think a loan to a championship club I know Burnley were interested but it looks like Stoker in advanced advanced talks and fair play to him because they brought him permanently I don't think they were maybe too keen to get him on loan I think otherwise that deal maybe would have happened and they put in a 16 million pound bid and you know that that's a lot of money to spend on a striker that's unproven at, at that, this that level did surprise me yeah, yeah yeah it shows they have got money and sports republic are, are backing them without necessarily having to sell which is a refreshing change
1: yeah um in your uh well you must have plenty of sources but is there any more signings imminent
2: uh i think it, could be a could be a week where we see things move along. Uh, I'm not sure there'll be any signings, but I, I would like to think there'll be more of an emphasis on players going out the door because there's a lot of areas on the pitch at Southampton that Southampton would love to improve and enhance, but they have to shift out a few. I think centre midfield's an option. Uh, centre back, of course, Levi Colwill was one that they really really, really, really like.
1: Yeah, local lad, yeah. Exactly.
2: They really like, but having what it's going to be five, six, even seven centre-backs for free position. That's way too much. So you have to get rid of what couple, maybe on loan, or sell in Stevens, Bednarik's case. Midfield as well. Who knows what happens with Diallo? I think that's that's going to be interesting to see. Number 10, I think Elianusi, he could be going with uh, Walcott, mm. with, with Redmond. They're, they're guys that could go you know I know initially's been talked about a new contract so that's gonna be really interesting to see what happens I think a decision either way will be made between now and the and, uh, deadline day so that's that could be a position and of course the striker which Ralph has made pretty clear that he wants another one so yeah busy heading in and
3: out the door who do you think we need most before the window shuts what position yeah oh
2: I actually say I just say striker again yeah um, mm. Although, there is a thing to say, maybe a winger, if the Redmond goes, because there doesn't really seem to be that change of gear, that, that change of pace. I know Gianepo uh, has been okay, in Prusino, I think he's been quite good, but East is the only guy that's really takes players on out wide in 1v1 areas. So, I'd like to see perhaps change of speed, a winger, a, you know, a tricky number 10, but I don't think there's that much creativity. Although, you know, Ariba and Stuart Armstrong are really quite good bustling fielders. so... I think definitely enough, you know, last third in the pitch is somewhere that Slampson needs to be more clinical and more creative in. So
0: going into the summer, was there any consideration with Tino's injury and how they would approach a transfer strategy, potentially with whether yeah. it'd be a right right back cover or any fullbacks in general?
2: That's that's somewhere I forgot actually. I think fullback is a position that Solamton will be looking for as well. But I know they're playing with wing backs and you can kinda of get away with it because Jineppo can play left wing back. But I do think you need a, you do need a fullback, because if Kai Walker-Peters gets injured, then Salampton are in trouble. So that's a position they're looking at. I know they've inquired and been interested in uh, finals, Marcus Pedersen, uh, see where that goes. Uh, Kabore from Man City on loan. And then you straight away think, OK, Joe Shields' connection there. That could be somewhere. So um, look at those two players. I think Salampton might get someone in. Whether it's a short-term fix until Tino's back in you know, perhaps next year after the World Cup, uh, remains to be seen but I think fullback is a
1: is an area definitely isn't it yeah yeah it's something that we're worried about to be honest um
3: I must must admit I haven't watched every minute of the the pre-season I've been um limiting myself to, to highlights so I'm probably missing out a bit but um uh, that first uh match against Leipzig in Aus- Austria um yeah Adam Armstrong with the only goal for Southampton as sort Of a glancing header, wasn't it? From mm. small bun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Let Me in three and uh, Bizzuno pulling off a wonder save in the first half, I remember. Um, yes, uh, and McCarthy just, um, just being his usual McCarthy and letting in three in the
2: second half. <laughs> That's harsh. Um, yeah, is, is that a fair assessment? Would you say? Uh, I'm not too sure about the, M- the McCarthy thing, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh. <laughs> this you can't really take much away from that. It's the first the first game of pre-season. It was really quite. Uh, you you can't yeah you can't take much away from that. One thing I did like is that Leipzig with their press they did press a lot and for the first game of pre-season that's quite brave and I think that helps them to encourage them to work on their patterns of play, pass forward a little bit more because they tend to when a team sits back or it's quite a slow tempo they do tend to become a little bit stodgy, don't they? And just recycle ball across the back. So it was quite a good tempo from. Because of Leipzig's press so I think that was a really good workout Adam Armstrong of course scoring. I think he's been okay for and he's you know, one of them that hopefully can take uh, those you know, that's I know he missed a penalty in the, the next game but he's hopefully yeah. one of those that could take it into into the season but yeah I on the whole the balance of play they said did okay but you, you know, as I said you can't really take much away from the first game of preseason, especially
1: the, the next two games we had uh Clagenford and Watford, they were uh, both nil-nil <laughs> draws. I mean, I paid for that Watford game. and I wish <laughs> I hadn't afterwards. Um, I wasn't impressed with it, really. But again, you know, I, it's pre-season. It's all about fitness. It's getting used to new positions and Ralph's tried out new formations and stuff. So we, we are getting to see the new sign-ins, you know, come in and, you know, these new formations take shape. Yeah, it wasn't
2: the most entertaining of, ga- of two games, was it? Um, the... Klagenfurt one was good because you had the storyline of Patrick Carson, and Ralph San, which I quite enjoyed, and that gave me something mm-hmm. to write
1: about. Oh uh, yes, and you had an interview <laughs> with him, didn't
2: you? Yeah, Witcher, so. Yeah, yeah, really, really good guy, and uh, yeah, it made for a, quite a good interview I thought. But um, get, go back to the game. Yeah, I think the five three five two was still into practice, and one thing you noticed, similar to the Monaco game is when the subs come on, Walker Peters, Armstrong, they make a huge difference to that way of playing. Walker Peters is Slam's the best. Attacking outlet, in my opinion, and I think he came on and he instantly pushed Cargan it back, and it resulted in the penalty, which obviously uh, Armstrong missed, but that was okay. Uh, the Watford game was difficult because I, I was there and it was such a small pitch. It was so dry; and it felt like there was 40 players on the pitch. There was no time with the ball, and that's something that you're not going to see much in the Premier League because obviously the grounds better and bigger. So it was a really frantic tempo and not. No team got their foot on the ball and just started to pay their way. So it was was a bit bit ping pong, really, and you can't really gauge much out of that. But Slams didn't really create much on the flip side of things. And one positive was that James Ward Prowse was back despite some rumblings on Twitter (laughs) who didn't believe that he was injured in Austria. So that's always a positive and a relief.
1: Yeah, and the, the game against Monaco, fantastic second half, of course, and then yesterday, yeah. uh, the, the Villarreal game. I mean, I was sat next to a guy who's when Saints went 1-0 down, he kind of, his his mood just dropped, and <laughs> the, the abuse started right away. There was a lot of shouting at the referee, and it was like, oh, good, it's, I'm glad to be back now, yeah. I'm, but a lot, a lot of panicking already, wow. but I'm... I thought the, the, the Villarreal game was okay. I mean, the Villarreal are a good side. Mm, really um, obviously, fun. they've got um, uh, you know Emery yeah. uh, managing. Decent side, Villarreal, Europe uh, Europa Conference League team. Uh, but I, I was quite impressed with it, and we had a lot of good spells in that game, especially when, when we equalised and then we, we you know we got a second, which was ruled off. Mm. But th- th- from that point, that spell, we looked really good. Mm,
2: I, I agree, and, but maybe it's because a little live further along in their pre-season preparations in Villarreal and now it kind of allow them to come on stronger straight away after the second half, but take nothing away from them. I, you know. I think it's really good practice for the Spurs this game because Villarreal are fantastic on the ball, they're really ball hungry and the way Slam's are playing, they're not pressing quite as much now, they've kind of tailored it, so they're getting used to working in a defensive shape without necessarily pressing all the time, so being nice and compact and stuff like that, so that first half, although Villarreal went well you know, were leading. I like to think Slams were quite organised the way they, in their shape. You know, they didn't get played through too much, only on counter-attacks and down the channels, obviously, which obviously resulted in their goal. So it was really quite a good dress rehearsal, almost, because I think that's what the way Slams had going to approach the Spurs game. So a good difference, a good uh, contrast of styles to what they faced. You know, I've talked about Leipzig, who pressed completely, and they didn't, weren't really interested in having much of the ball. Whereas Villarreal were. So I think Samson have experienced quite a few different challenges, which hopefully should stand him in a good stead.
1: Yeah, and at the same time, I'm trying not to be too uh, panicked about it, but there is. I mean, Saints broke quite a lot in that Villarreal game, and mm. they looked like they were going to do Saint with it. And then, of course, it went backwards again, and it was just being recycled along the back. Uh, wasted opportunities. I am quite concerned with the fact that we haven't got that creativity still that, that they don't seem to know what to do when they get in those deep positions and mm-hmm. it almost seems to me like I was thinking the only way that we're going to score is from a set piece or from a VRL mistake and of course that didn't happen so is that something that you're concerned about like <laughs> lack of goals again
2: how many times have you said that that you think Samson are only going to score from a set piece so I think that's um, yeah. it's kind of the thing really in recent years it is I always think to myself if Samson are Working their way in and around the box, and they need someone just on the edge of that box just to take a deep breath and play that pass through. Who's got the composure and the quality to do it? And I don't really see that player. They haven't got like a Tadic anymore who can just, every whilst everything else is just rushing and busy around him, who can just calm down and just thread that ball through? So I do think they miss that tub, little tub, a bit of guile in their play. I know Stuart, Stuart Arms was really good. I really think, I, I love him. I think he's a fantastic player. But he, yeah, he, he's a little bit. I don't know, he's a little bit rushed and panicky sometimes in that final third. So it's just something, something that can just calm down. It's, it's something Southampton still missing. And you know, I think one of the counter Southampton had last uh, yesterday was Musa Gineppo, where he just got the ball and ran and ran and got that free kick. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's great. But maybe when you get into that position, if you have someone that's just a little bit calmer, who can just pick that pass to one of the strikers, then I think that Slumson will hopefully score a few more goals and create a lot more chances out of it.
1: Here's yeah. hoping. But on the whole, like pre-season in general, um, mm. were you were you happy with it?
2: Oh, I th- it was okay. That's what Hearts wants to go go with. I'm really surprised that he didn't change system. I know he tweaked a little bit second half yesterday, but go to a back four at some point because if you have a bad start to the season, I'm sure a lot of fans will start saying, "Get rid of the back three, get rid of the back three.
1: So they already are. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: So I'm <laughs> surprised they haven't. Um, it's been OK. And as Ralph said yesterday, uh, there's, there's been times in pre-season, other pre-seasons where they've, they've smashed opponents and then they rock up to Burnley away and they're woefully underprepared. So, so I, I think time will show uh, next week against Spurs and um, the month of August. So it's been a pre-season season that's been pretty standard. I, I was never expecting so too many goals. And I wasn't expecting too many goals conceded either. So yeah, it's, it's been all right.
3: I uh, yeah, just just going into that my first game against Spurs, um, where would you what would you put your money on? Um is he gonna stick with a back three or is he gonna revert, revert to the classic four two two two?
2: I I think he sticks with a back three. I think it'll be it'll be strange if you went to the 4-2-2-2, despite not practising it once in pre-season. That would so, be very rough thing yeah. to do, though, I? <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think he'll stick with the back three. The wing-back, I think, is interesting because Perot he's not had much game time. He's been injured a lot. And Gineppo's done well. And Spurs, you've got to remember, they play with a back three and wing-back. So, sounds are going to match them out. It's going to be 1v1 out wide. Whether Gineppo's good enough to be. Uh, 1v1 defensively against Jed Spence or Kowalewski is a different matter but I do think Ralph is going to match him up because I think they played a back three I went to that game last year at home Spurs with Valerie at centre back at t- before Salisi mm-hmm. got, got sent off and That's that, right. that seemed to work quite, really quite well before uh, he got up for uh, the red card so I, th- I like to think it's going to be similar to that and how uh, Ralph approaches it
1: Let's just hope it's not not that high line again. And Son and <laughs> Charlson and Kane just get get there, get around, and uh, completely pump us. But yeah, Tim, have you got any questions about pre-season as well?
0: Yeah, I guess they've experimented and we played a few a few times last year with the 3-5-2 or the 5-3-2. However, you want to see however you want to see it match uh line up as do you know I guess the 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 emphasis of him wanting to look for a 3-5-2 and transition mm. away from his traditional 4-2-2-2 uh, and specifically is there something with this year or transition and
2: um, maybe in the backroom staff seeing something mm. I think I think I'm right about that. I think it's purely you know, the, the fundamental reason is because he wants to be better defensively. I think that he's kind of fed up looking so at, looking at a team that's really quite vulnerable, and they always seem vulnerable. And when they're not playing well and the confidence is low, they get ripped apart a lot because the press then malfunctions. So I think that's the the reason. And then I think I asked Ralph yesterday about the impact it has going forward, and he says one less player in attack hampers the press, so we can't press like we used to. And that's something that's going to be really interesting to see how that how that pans out because Slamson Press is what has been their bread and butter for the last four years. So it's slightly changing away from that and relying on you know, back three of Benrik Salisu, Bella Kotjap, and then Lianca and Stevens to come in uh, is is a risk. But if if they're confident, I'm, I've got a piece coming out on Ruben Sellers, the new assistant manager. And I spoke to a few of his old players, and they say he's really really good at training a defence in terms of their position, their shape. So that's something that's to keep an eye on. and Hopefully
1: that's something that will benefit London too. Excellent. Um, Right. We've got some questions now from our listeners. Tim, you're going to reel these off.
0: How would you describe what your writing style is? And I guess you grew up being a Saints fan, but really what inspired you to become a writer and I guess ultimately want to write for the Saints?
2: Yeah. So I think my writing style is is different to uh, my predecessors, Dan and, and Carla, Carla. I'm probably more similar to in terms of our like tactical analysis stuff. I like to do features, really do quite deep dives into that type of thing. Where Dan's superb; he's a superb news collector and he wrote some really, really informative pieces. And I, I think I'm probably in the middle of the two. I'm not quite as uh, eccentric in writing style as Carl, but uh, I, I do like to and I enjoy writing about that. And the reason why I got into into writing because I for my 12th birthday i was given a taxi sport for and that was my main birthday present and i thought that's a little bit strange and a little bit <laughs> geeky so i always i always liked the other side of football and analyzing games and looking at oh, why didn't why did the manager do this well why has he done this what's the new style of play and just what little changes and looking at things deeper than just a game of football so women's football beating football uh the academy that you know Slamson Foundation for example I love everything about the club rather than just always the football on it so that's what's really got me into writing it's something that I'm extremely passionate about and I think journalism especially now we're we're moving away from match reports and stuff like that and we have more scope to to do the things that are really informative and really deep and in depth so that's something that I'm really keen to do and that's one of the reasons why I decided to join the Athletic because they're they're the best at it, in my opinion.
0: That's absolutely fantastic because it's a great lead into the the second question. Is is that uh, if you have been a fan and being a writer of the team, how how is it? Uh, what is it like to be impartial? I mean, yeah. Do you have to be completely neutral, or can you mm. talk and be really just own up to what you—I uh, mean—to what you really say and feel? Because I feel there's mm. a few articles, like the alarming implosion right off the bat—that the, the obviously the headline there, but then uh, the build-in from it. But then there's the Theo piece and some young the young players article. Mm. Um, just those are the ones that stuck out off the top of my head. Mm. Um, just how do you how do you balance how do you balance all that as being a writer?
2: I think it's difficult. Um, last, last, um, my last piece about the implosion stuff, I know the headline was like that, but there was no real, there was no criticism. It was just a balanced and quite a fair, accurate uh, assessment of, of Ralph's current set of circumstances. So that's probably something i got better at because if I, was, if I was writing that a couple of years ago, perhaps I would show a little bit more, you know, biased. but now I'm looking at it from an outside perspective. I think it helps that I've moved away from, i covered Bournemouth for a season. So I'm not always so involved in the club. I can look at it from an outside perspective and, you know, and I think that helped. And covering Slams a couple of years ago, I was quite biased. I would say, you know, make statements that would get me, you know, maybe might get me a few likes on Twitter, but it's not really that professional. And nor is it very, assessment, fairly accurate. I'd say, you know, Danny Ng's best striker in England. He deserves that England call up. Well, maybe that was me being a little bit biased in my Slams fan <laughs> talking. So, um. Yeah, it's been it's been difficult. But having that year away, like I say, it's it's allowed me to have that perspective. And now, although I really support Slamton, I'm not quite as, you know, when I'm watching a game, I'm always thinking about my job and what I can write rather than just getting swept away and wanting Stuart Armstrong or Adam Armstrong to score a penalty, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. So you mentioned you're going to do an article here on Ruben Sellers here in a little bit. Um, but if without maybe exposing or giving too many secrets away from that, uh, the question was really about what is the ba- the back office and the shake up for this past off season, and what are the changes you think that the new staff will help and attribute to the team going into the new year?
2: Listen, I think there was a obvious and accepted uh, time to change at the end of last season after after Leicester game. I think everyone knew inside the stable, we outside in the fan base that like, things have grown stale. Ralph needed new impetus. New but support, Calvin Davis. New network. I
1: mean. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's a, he's a legend. And it's, it's tough, but I, I applaud Sports Republic for doing that. Cause the easiest, easy decision would have just got been to get rid of Ralph, but they decided to take the more, the, the longer option and get, you know, change the whole background stuff. And, at, you know, Carl Martin, he's really high regarded. He, he trained, he was shadowing Ralph, not last year, but the year before that. So he knows that Ralph Stahl particularly well. Then he went back to the under-18s last year, had you know, really good success there. And now, unlike, uh, I think it's Calvin Davis he's going to re- replace him in that type of remit, he's now, during games, he's up in the uh, by the itching with the analysts, and he's feeding back information. And he's the guy who's in charge of slanting in possession. So I like to think that Ralph's given him more responsibility then. But maybe he previously did under the, the previous three coaches, Alex Clapham, he was a, the other first team coach. He was a journalist. He used to write. He's got his own website he, on tactical analysis. He's really in-depth and he knows all the nuances of the pressing system. So you'd got like to think having someone that well-versed in it, as well as doing set plays, as well as being in charge of everything dead ball, is another way of harvesting his shoulders from doing absolutely everything. And just lastly, Celez. He's been in 10, been at 10 different clubs, seven different countries, and he's only 39. And he's not just been an assistant manager; he's been a manager, he's been a fitness coach, he's been an analyst. He's done so many things, and he's got such a varied skill set that you think he can only be better and 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 improve. And from what you hear, I think the players are, are really, really impressed by by him. So that's hopefully something that Samson can be, ha- be happy about and take it into the new season as well. That's
0: uh, that's fantastic. Because well, on top of that, what else uh, should we be optimistic about going into the new year?
1: The- the international oh. break, I think.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. Just the young players, because although it's a risk, it's so, so exciting. And I said this last, I said it this season, but especially compared to last year, it didn't feel there was many storylines around Salampton, apart from are they going to finish 13th or, or 17th. Nowadays, you've got a lot of young players coming in. Potential Ralph looks like he, you know, he hopefully it's going to be re-energised. He can, he can get that smile back, get that passion back and if they can go on a run of form and actually rather than win four out of six games and then lose the next ten they can find a bit of consistency and that's that's the thing slams in the search and that's the thing that I really want more than anything else just being a team that is stable and it doesn't have to veer from one result to another about questioning Ralph's uh, future or not.
0: So would you say stability is the biggest concern that the team needs to address or take care of going to the New year?
2: Yeah, I think since Ralph's come, it's just fluctuated. Like, you wouldn't believe, hasn't it? It's, they, you know, last year, they were in a good position. Season faded away. After, this year, in February, they beat Spurs. I know the hierarchy were really, really keen to, like, let's just kick on now. Let's use this as a springboard. And then it you know, faded out again, didn't it? So that's something I think Slumpton need to do. And if they can get have these runs of form where they're really, really good, and then when they drop off, they're still managing them to eke out draws and not just lose comfortably and get hammered every week. That should serve Southampton better, and it could be the difference from between finishing seventeenth and in the top ten as well. So, if a top twelve, top ten finish, if you offer me that, I'd, I'd certainly take it right now.
0: I think we all would definitely take yeah. any. <laughs> I think I think any non-relegation place is always good. To be, <laughs> just 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 at a at a, at a baseline and then from there. But mm. yeah, <laughs> progress. Definitely. All right. So a little slight pivot away from what we've been talking about, but I'm really uh, with working with the athletic and a subscription type service. Uh, It's 2022-2023 season here. Uh, Piracy is still going to be a big issue for both journalism and for television. Um, What trends do you see anticipate in sports journalism for the future? And then if there's anything specifically related to the Premier League or the athletic that you can share about that. Um, obviously, for those who are here to support you know quality journalism and having the athletic being known, uh, purchased by New York Times as an American seeing all that, it's just really curious to see how that would play out for a new perspective.
2: Mm, obviously yeah athletic it got it' has been taken over by the New York Times uh, earlier this year, I believe so I, I'm not sure how that will influence it, but I think that's it can only be a good thing. Um, I do think subscription based models will be the future because I know a lot of people, Tend to raise their eyebrows at the athletic charging to read articles, but it's the same as reading anything else in the paper. If you get a paper every day, it's a lot cheaper than that, and you've got access to podcasts, to you know, thousands of different articles, and with subscription-based, it gives you the license to not do as many articles, but make sure they're really, really high in-depth, high quality. So you know that it's not just going to be in a newspaper where you're limited to a word count. You, you know, you can put as much attention as much effort into any piece you want. There's there's one piece that I'm hoping to do this season, and I, I won't I will say yeah in case it doesn't come up come off, but it's going to take months, and that's the the thing of a subscription bottle. You you are afforded months to do the pieces that fans really care about, rather than just rush it and think okay I need to get you know a certain amount of articles out a day. So I think that's the way journalism's going in terms of piracy. You, you can't help that sometimes, but I'm not sure if it's too much of an, of an issue in terms of screenshot and stuff like that. So, um, for one pound ninety nine or whatever it is at the moment, I think it's it's really extremely good value. And if you like in depth features and like to know everything about your club, uh, yeah, I think it's perfect for you.
0: So, Sports Republic, uh, the multi club ownership model. So, City Football Group, the Red Bull Empire. Uh, what are you thought the thoughts on the Saints progressing? towards that type of uh, type of ownership model if that's uh, anything coming up down the pipeline within the next calendar within the next calendar year or the rest of the school the rest of the season and I guess how, what do you feel about that as a as a means to the future of football
2: I think it's good because slums are the, the focal point of, of this multi-sport multi-club model if they were one of the feeder clubs then maybe you'd have a, have an issue but the fact that they're, they're the best and they will be the, the club that every other, all the other clubs will be looking at and they maybe their best players will come to slantton you know and you can loan players out I think it's, it's a really really good model I think man city you know obviously slants to a lesser extent but they, they've had really good success as well so sports Republic are proactive um and that's a good thing about multi model, you can't just sit there and take your money you've got to be proactive you've got to make sure every single area of your business is improving so samson are I mean, more hands-on than gal gal was although i'm not sure that's that's too <laughs> difficult um but also at the same time though they're giving uh, autonomy still to martin semis to matt crocker to uh to Ralph, to, to a lesser extent, as well. So, I think it can only be a good thing, and something I think Slamshire fans should be happy about because they've always invested in youth. Youth Academy football's been arguably their best USP in, in recent years, and having a multi time model should only improve this. So, yeah, for sure, I think it's, it's a good thing, and hopefully, we'll start bearing fruit sooner rather than later.
0: So, there always seems to be one, two, maybe three players on the season who te- tend to be the scapegoats. Uh, I think we have talked about on this yeah, I think uh, I think Kev's kind of already got his, his
1: name on uh, McCarthy <laughs> yeah,
0: we've got Bennerick and McCarthy um, ultimately that's one do those two deserve the hate and then two is a little bit larger question of like what's the balance between ha- having an, giving an appropriate healthy criticism towards players that we feel that need to
2: be acting or playing that's a good better question. It is a very good question. I think it's only natural to uh, to have a scapegoat. It's this, it's, it's, it's just natural reaction. Just to, if you support a club, there's always going to be players that you you really like, your favourites, some players you don't like, and you're going to be biased about it. You're going to, it's going to influence you. And when you, and you're perhaps the players you don't like, you're always looking at their mistakes more than you know, the players you really do like. So I think some of the criticism is is warranted for sure. When McCarthy dropped, you know, fails to fails to save it, it's near post or he comes out and kicks it straight All to Or fouls him, to say Chris that he's isn't. injured. <laughs> no, I don't want to get involved in that, because that was, <laughs> a, that was a car crash of a game, yeah. wasn't it? Even though mm-hmm. it was a draw. Um, the Benrick thing, it's a strange one for me, because he's long been Rouse's favourite, and there is a feeling that, you know, a couple of years ago, he was one of Sam's favourites as well, the way he was, you know, put his body on the line. Rouse's firefighter, as he was called him, I think the, the, where the issue comes from is that he hasn't really learned from his mistakes. It's similar to Stevens. He's the same player, he's making the same decisions as he, he is now than he was four years back. And I think that's where fans maybe get frustrated. You can obviously tell me better than I could, but it just looks like he's still making the same... So he's still scoring on goals, <laughs> deflected efforts, You know, he's he's getting up pace in the channels, his positioning's he gets it's quite naive at times. So of course there's criticism, but like yesterday, there's a goal that although he ended up flat on his backside, he wasn't solely at fault. And I don't know if I saw a lot of that or a lot of that reasoning on, on social media. So yeah, it it certainly needs to be balanced and it's just, it's just human nature at the end of the
0: day. All right. It's the last and most important one of all. You're walking down late night in downtown Southampton. Uh, You've got one Saints player you can pick who's gonna end up being on your side in a fight when you get picked <laughs> off. Who who Remain. do you want on your Remain. side in the back? They have to be
2: current. And who uh, who who do you want in a back alley fight? Well, yeah, first answer would be Oral May, wouldn't it? Uh, but he just seems like a 2 nice bloke. Mm-hmm. I would have said Fraser Forster if he was here. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so I had last year, mm. so that
2: was my that was my go-to for last year. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Shay Adams. I think he's just look, he's he's thick set. I think he, he's quick, so he can he, if he wants to run away, we can run away as well. <laughs> he's, you know,
1: I, I, I like to beat Shay as well, but yeah, Oral May will be the the first answer, wouldn't it? Um, I've got a question actually on transfer policy. Um, our policy is uh, signing youth, building them up, and then yeah, seeing what they can do from that. But th- is this model s- successful in the Premier League because? I mean, I don't know what the, the the plan is for Sport Republic and what they you know what they hope to achieve in the next three or four, three or four years or whatever. Is it just to you know buy these young players for for cheap, uh, progress, sell them off for a profit, you know, and and while treading water in the Premier League, or do they want to progress and do they want to get back to those days of the um, of uh, and, and Pochettino? I think that's a million dollar
2: question to ask you, Paul. Um, I think. F- the first option looks like, it looks quite likely, judged by this summer and the direction of travel. They started last year with Brozier and Livramento. That looks like it's going to be one in terms of buying players between 17 and 23. When, when we did the, the Joe Shields piece, a lot of people that said it thought that was to be the case. Buy players between 17 and 23, flip them over for a profit, reinvest. Whether that's sustainable or maybe you can stay in the Premier League, that's a that's different, different question. Maybe with the better young players coming and growing, they can incrementally get better and better. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this the success of this summer is interpreted in years to come. Because if this is really good summer, and all the players hit the ground running. Slams will continue this. But if they go down or they have a season where it's lukewarm, they might think, okay, we're still going to invest in young players. But we, need, we obviously need to some experience. To, we can't have a 27-year-old James Ball-Prowse being the granddad of the group, for God's sake. So maybe um, this season will determine – this summer, sorry – will determine how Samson's, uh, policy happen, um, how Samson's policy is in the next year. Yeah,
1: I mean, this is it. I mean, I wanna, I'm going to the, to the fan forum, um, and I want to pose that question as in what's the five-year plan? Is there a five-year plan? Are they planning to, to make a profit and get out? I mean, I, I just don't know. I just want to know what their plan is if they are going to progress and keep, and keep going. But I don't think it's mm. quite sustainable with all these youngsters. I just don't, I just don't see it happening, especially in the modern Premier League. A lot, a lot of teams are spending a lot of money, um, and if we've got the money there, you know, I, I would like to see those more experienced players come in also. It,
2: it, it is a thing because I know there's an option of another player in.
1: Instead of Lavia,
2: in the same position for the same money, and this guy was I think he made 100 first team appearances at, at a club, and he did, he did go on to move to another Premier League club, but he was an option, and the fact they chose Lavia, who's, who's not played in the Premier League, is a risk, but they obviously have so much trust and so much faith in him being a, being a better player than this, than this other player so that's really interesting to see, and it is a huge gamble, but if this pays off the, the rewards, not only financially, but the, the excitement at St Mary's, the league position, perhaps, taking take other Premier League play, um, clubs by surprise—it's it's vast. So that's, a, that's going back to the, the
1: question This is something that's really exciting me ahead of the season. Well, that's good. One more question before we go into the predictions. Um, B team, uh, which player do you think is going to make the biggest? Don jump? Ballard. Yeah.
2: Um, mm. I, I think he's really, really good, and um, I'm surprised he didn't go away to Austria. But he, I, I think another year in a B team, he's only, he's only two again yesterday. Like, yeah, exactly. I think another year in a B team where he can just score goals for fun is it, going to be immense, and hopefully we we can see him maybe towards the back end of the season. Like some of the time, is Yeah, he's champion. gone, and I'm uh, I'm, 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 I'm yeah. I
1: hear that Jimmy J Morgan's being scouted as well. I mean, he's only he's very young, so I don't know, mm. you know, what his future is. Like so with Ballard, I I think
2: it, 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 there's no rush on him, but he's a guy that they're really excited about. Good, good uh, striker. Good head on young shoulders. He's got a fantastic uh, group of people around him who will guide him and are, un- are sensible. They're not trying to rush him to a, you know, to be in the first team or get him out and get him on loan. I think it's going to take nice and calm. A balance,
1: someone that I'm really, really, looking forward to seeing
2: in the B Yeah, future. me too. Uh,
1: and also, just quickly on the uh, on the women's team, how do you think they're going to fare in the in the championship? <laughs> well, they've uh, they've started holding the haven't they? Um, <laughs> it's,
2: it's it's great. It's great to see, and I'm I'm so so. Delighted, like going back to what I said earlier about my passion for other aspects of the club. This is brilliant. This is going to be on equal footing, hopefully, with the men's at some point. And there'll be more games at St Mary's yep. this year. Hope there's going to be really good attendances. And there's some players that were there last year that are still there. And I think they can progress as well. You know, Caitlin Morris, I'm sorry, not Caitlin <coughs> <not coughs> Morris, Ella Pusey, I think is really quite an exciting player. Um, there's there's several new signings as well. The New, the new Zealand yep. Uh, international you know that's a that's a big coup for Southampton who uh, only turned professional this year so I'm hoping to cover these I've uh, covered the women in, in a lot more detail, and hopefully we'll get something out in the next in the next month or so on this, because, yeah, it's something that's really interesting, and Slamson have made fantastic improvement, and quick improvement in this in the last couple of years. Yeah, haven't.
1: and just um, they haven't played a lot of pre-season, obviously, because their game against Charton was called off last week, but they played today against Lewis, yeah. who were also in the Championship, so that would be a good marker. Mm. Um, I'll be mm. checking that out, because they kick off at midday today, I believe. Um, r- right then, uh, mm. predictions then. Uh, Tim, can you take some notes on these? Because I always fail to write them down and then I've got nothing to go back on and I don't want to go back and listen to our predictions. So yeah, if you make a note with them and then remind sure us how, how wrong we are. Um, sure I'm going to start with Jacob and all of these because you're the guest. Um, so Jacob, where are we finishing this season? Oh.
2: <laughs> um, I've got to not be biased. I'm going to go 15th or 16th. I'm taking 16th. I would... Okay, I would love to say top 12, and I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rule that out, but just from last year to this year, yeah,
1: 15th or
3: 16th. Okay. Kevin? If you've revealed you're going 16th, um, I think uh, I've got a feeling that everyone's going to go 16th. I'm going to say 17th, Ugh. and I, I really don't see where the goals are coming from. <laughs> and, and Tim?
1: Uh, 19th. No! no! <laughs> oh, no. Oh, mm-hmm. dear. It had to be you, didn't it? Oh, yeah, Tim. Okay.
0: Uh. I don't. I don't feel. I guess I'll explain since it is relegation. But I. I, I don't see us out of any of the teams who are current who currently stayed up last year. Um, what yeah, what the progression is. I think that we would be. A, we're going to be a fantastic championship team, and that we have the You know, the average age of our signings are below the age of twenty-one. Um, but. I don't see the thing about the thing about Premier League. The thing about that is you need to be able to you need to stay consistent year in and year out, year in and year out. You can't necessarily do that when you have twenty year olds and the expectations of doing that is it's a lot. And, so I'm. Didn't I'm Alan old. Hansen he say? Said that. you Don't, yeah, win, exactly. anything kids, you don't yeah. win anything with kids. do anything with kids.
1: Alan Hansen said, and then Man United when and won the league. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, top scorer, Jacob.
2: Oh, James Wilprouse. Okay. I think, yeah, I'm not sure Slabs will get many goals, too many goals from open play, so I'm relying on Jason Proust to set pieces again.
1: Okay, I'm going to go Adam Armstrong. That might be a surprise, but I'm going to go for around 11 goals this season. So I'm going to take Adam Armstrong. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Kevin, what about you? we would probably finish higher than 16th. uh, (laughs) No, it's it's just everyone else Um, is going to score more, that's all.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, our goals are spread all over the place, aren't they? mainly from... From midfield, so um I am gonna say
1: Procy
3: as well. Okay. Tim? Uh yeah, it's Proxy.
1: Oh I'm the only one going away. Okay. Uh Jacob, champions.
2: Uh Manchester City. I think i will do it again.
1: Okay, I'm gonna take Liverpool based on yesterday. <laughs> I'm saying Liverpool as well.
2: Uh it will
0: be Manchester City
1: it's not really United it's it? it. Um Jacobs, uh top four.
2: <laughs> Man City,
1: Liverpool, Tottenham.
3: Chelsea
1: wow I am going to go Liverpool City Chelsea United
3: I'm going I'm to stick with Liverpool uh, winning the league uh, City second Chelsea third and Arsenal fourth mm.
0: so I've got City Liverpool uh, City Liverpool it's going to be uh, um, Spurs and then I've got not uh, and then Manchester United No Chelsea no, I think I think they'll be oh, they'll finish fifth or sixth wow. and two they'll they'll, they'll they'll want they'll they'll
1: want out. Wow, Wow, that is that is bold. Jacob, uh relegation then, uh starting with twentieth
2: Oh, don't make me say Bournemouth. <laughs> um, oh, um Leeds Oh god. Oh no okay, I'm gonna say Fulham and bottom. Bournemouth nineteenth,
1: Leeds eighteenth. Wow. Got okay, it. I'm gonna I'm gone. gonna take uh Nottingham Forest 20th. Uh, Bournemouth, sorry Jacob, uh, 19th. <laughs> um, and I'm going to go Leeds 18th. Fulham will make it, I think. Fulham 17th and then Saints.
3: I'm going Bournemouth bottom, um, then Fulham 19th and Leeds 18th.
1: You think Forest will make it, Kev?
3: Yeah. Yeah, they've got Lime just. <laughs>
1: mm. Okay. And just you, Tim.
3: Uh, Forest
0: twentieth, us nineteenth, and I think I did have another. I, I did have a normal, a regular team. Oh. <laughs> Liverpool. No, um, no, I had Brentford eighteenth. Oh, okay. I had Brentford eighteenth. So I, That's I thought Fulham and Burnley. Bournemouth would say.
1: Okay, Jacob, this is an interesting one. Um, first sacking. Now, when I looked at this, I looked at the odds of who's going to be sacked first, and actually Ralph was, was the favourite, but I'm not going to go with Ralph. But what oh, Jay, what are you going to go with, Jay?
2: I think it depends how both transfer window ends up, but I can really, really see Scott Parker either walking away or, or going fairly quickly if the, their current squad is, stays like it is because it's, it's woefully under a bed. But I think if you look at Frank Lampard, you just think you're getting, yeah. you look like a guy that could, could be sacked by October. Just the way Everton run. Uh, so I'm going to go for Lampard. I did, I did think
1: about Lampard and Parker, but I'm going to go with Jesse Marsh. Okay. That's Michael, too. And then me.
0: You is... said Patrick Vieira last year. He's still there. I did say Patrick. Yep. I did say Patrick Vieira. I'm going to say Brendan Rodgers. No way. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm going to go with Brendan Rodgers. He's going to get off. They're going to get. Uh, Lester's going to get a terrible start and they'll, he'll be gone in October, early October. Wow.
1: Another bold one. Uh, Jacob, who's winning the Champions League? Oh, I'm going to go Man City. Every year I say Man City, <laughs> so surely their year yeah, is Exactly my, um, my thoughts. I always say Man City. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen soon, and I, I think it will be this year. <laughs> they're they're going to lose out in the league to Liverpool, but they're uh, focused on the Champions League this year. So, yeah, Man City for me too, Tim.
3: I normally end up saying Paris Saint-Germain, I don't
1: I? But I'm, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon with Man City again. So that means all. it's definitely going to be Paris Saint-Germain this year, then?
0: <laughs> uh I guess they'll be different and I'll go with i I'll go with Byron.
3: Oh
0: ooh, minus uh, Lewandowski.
3: Lewandowski. Ooh.
0: Uh I I think that they will be just fine. <laughs> I think
1: they will too. Um Jacob, uh promotion, who's getting up from the championship?
2: Oh on I, I I really I don't know what says it but I think Norwich.
1: <laughs> Bad start yesterday. Oh.
2: Yeah, I know, but the way the way they are just experienced, just the way they, they they go about it, it looks like it, it could be Norwich. But I I like really interested to see how companies Burnley gets on. I watched I watched them on Friday night, and they just look like passing out know, a lot, completely yeah. different sides. <laughs> yeah, they actually actually pass them on the floor yeah. as well, which and they're not <laughs> take not, have, not having a goalkeepers take free kicks from inside their in their half <laughs> all the time. So that's that's really really quite a positive. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing companies Burnley and. Hopefully they can go up as well. I do, I do like that. So you have got
1: Norwich, Burnley, and who's the who's the playoff winner? Oh, All right. I think it's going to be one of the teams that went down last year. It, I'm going to say Watford again. Mm, not dissimilar to mine, actually. I'm going to go Norwich mm. are going to be champions. Um, I'm going to go Sheffield United, um, and then I'm going to go Watford winning the playoffs.
3: Um, in no particular order. Um, I'm going for Watford, Burnley, and
2: Brom. Oh, okay.
3: they got a back back sometime.
0: All right. So, initially, right when Burnley went down, I thought that they were going to be an absolute like, stable point of the championship for the next five to ten years or so with company and a couple of their different signings. Uh, I think they're going to win. The, I think they're going to pop right back up and he's going to do something fantastic. Um, then, secondly... Is what we're looking for. Uh, I am going to take the great team known as uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think that, and here is my truly bold prediction I think Luton Town is going to take wow. second. And then I think uh I think uh Watford will be probably Watford or Sheffield United, but I'm gonna go with Watford as the
1: is the playoff winner. So
0: excellent. Um,
1: right, okay, so now a little bit of fun here. Uh it's just over or under. So I'm gonna give you a topic, Jacob, um and a number, and you're gonna tell me if it's over or under. Okay. okay. <laughs> so last season we scored forty three goals. Over or under? Mm-hmm. Over. I'm gonna go under. Under. You're going under. Uh this is this is nice and positive, isn't it? Great star. Tim. Over under forty three. Under. Under, okay. Uh, goals against we we conceded sixty-seven. Jeez. <laughs>
2: God, it's got to be
1: under. It's not sustainable. Yeah, I'm, go- I'm, go- uh, yeah, I'm going surely. under. I'm going under.
3: Kev? Yeah, yeah. Under, under, under. Timothy? Uh, under as well.
1: Uh, okay, goals then for individuals. Adam Armstrong, obviously two. Everyone's got to go over that, right? Yeah. Over. <laughs> Good.
0: Over the crossbar. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, going to be over. Right.
1: Anyway, um, Sekumara. Now, this is a tricky one because... I need, You know, you need to give him time to settle. And, you know, he didn't have many minutes. Um, we don't know how many minutes he's going to be guaranteed with. So, Jacob, I'm going to give you eight. Eight. Oh, um, under.
3: Mm. I say under two.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go under.
0: That's the easiest under. Really? OK, maybe I should eight take, eight. take it oh, to five easy. then. What oh, 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 no. about the six that
3: he scored last season.
1: Yeah. Uh, OK, six then. we go six. You still, you still saying under, Jacob? I'm, I'm still saying under. I think it's a lot of
2: responsibility for him to score that many. I think, yeah. First season, just let him bet him.
1: Okay. But then, you know, how many did uh, Bravia score last year?
2: Six in the Premier League.
1: Okay, Prowse then. 11. Uh, under. Mm, under. <laughs> yeah, I'll go under. Bearing in mind, you picked him as your top scorer, guys.
0: I. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he had 10 last yep. year. Is that correct? He did. Um Yes, yeah, so JWP, I mean the the odds are in your favor that something he'll get injured or something like that, so under is probably the correct answer. But I think ten or eleven is about right, especially as he's the is the, the penalty kick taker.
1: Yeah. Uh and prowse assists. Uh, I'm gonna give you eight. Over. Mm. <laughs> I'm gonna go under. Under. Okay. Uh <laughs> yellow cards. Uh let's go. Let's go nine. I'd to think he's learned a little bit more. Uh, under. Under. Yeah, I'm going to go under. Uh, yeah, under.
3: We hope. Under it is. It's is, okay. How many did you get last season? You think eight last season?
1: I don't know. Ten maybe. Uh, James Ward-Prowse free kicks. I'm going to give you four. Over. Ooh. I'm going to.
3: Can I take the same? Dig push. Dig push. Yeah,
1: I'll do that. I'll, I'm going to take. I, he's going to score four. Four.
3: Yeah, that's a nice. It's a good number. I'll, I'll
0: take the same. Uh, I will take three, but I will take under.
1: Okay. Uh, wins, Jacob. Uh, <laughs> nine. Oh. <laughs> Can I yeah. say the same? I'll say the same. I'm going to go under. That's bad, isn't it? When you think of it. Yeah, I'm going to take under. Uh... <laughs> Christ. <laughs> See how positive you're feeling, Kev.
3: Uh, over. We're gonna we're gonna finish seventeenth, but we're gonna win ten or more games. <laughs> we're just not gonna draw any.
1: Yeah, it doesn't quite work, does it? Tim, nine wins. Um, uh, under. under. Oh dear. Uh, points, forty. Over. Hey, I'm gonna take under. I reckon. Under.
0: And then everybody else is
1: taking under. Yep. Under. Okay. Uh, clean sheets, eight. Definitely under, surely. Um, I want to go over. Hey, new keeper and all. Back three. Back yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, can I go the same?
1: Yeah.
0: On, under for me.
1: Okay. Uh, red cards, two. Over. Yeah, I'm taking over. I'll take the same again. Okay. Tim?
0: Mm, good, good one. Uh, I will take three, so over.
1: Okay. Uh, and the last one, penalties scored. I'm going to give you four, Jacob. Over. Uh, I'm going to take over two. Yeah. Go on. Uh, I will take a push. Okay. <laughs> I think four. I'll take okay. four. Right. That is about it. Um, Jacob, uh, before we let you go, um, can I get a prediction for the Spurs game from you? Particularly the lineup. I want you to g- go through the lineup and give me a score prediction also.
2: Okay. So the lineup,
1: I'm going to go 3-5-2. Uh,
2: goal, back three, Salisu, bednaruk Belakot, Jap. Wing-backs, Walker-Peters and Perot, uh, Midfield, Lavia, Aribo,
1: Walprous. Prouse, Strikers, Adams and Stuart Armstrong. Oh, and Mara off the bench. Yes. Okay, and a score prediction? I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. I'll take that, definitely take that. We don't often do very well at Spurs, but yeah, Thanks. that's great. I'll take it. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm sure everyone is following you across social media, but for some reason, if they're not... Uh, can you remind us how to follow you, Jake?
2: Yeah, so you can find me on the Athletic for Santa's coverage, but also on Twitter at uh, J underscore Tanswell. And then that's the link to all my pieces and all my rambling tweets as well. So,
1: yeah, Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. And I really, really look forward to to checking out your stuff throughout the season. Uh, yeah. Best of luck. Uh, really look forward to hearing from you again. Um, and any time you want to come back, if we haven't put you off, that is, um, you're more than welcome. And I, I understand that you're, um, you're going to be on uh, Total Saints
2: yes yeah thank you so much for having me on and yeah for sure um anytime i'm really i really enjoyed today but yeah we'll be on the total saints podcast with with the house on the echo uh we'll be swapping Oh, and maybe sometimes we'll be together as well so looking forward to that and you know just discussing Slamson in general wherever i am
1: perfect I'm. thank you so much for giving up your time jake it's been amazing
3: appreciate it cheers guys Lovely. cheers stuff. up the saints up the saints <laughs>
1: Okay, then we turn our attention to the Premier League now. Uh, That's that's so good to hear. Uh, Tottenham next week, uh, Saturday, the 6th of August, three o'clock kickoff. And that is at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, Biggest win against Tottenham at Tottenham was a 4-1 win back in October of 1897.
3: Do you remember that, Kev? Yeah, of course.
1: Well, yeah, uh, that was in the Southern League. Um, we've had a few 3-1s uh, over the years. January 1971, uh, Hugh Fisher and Mick Shannon with a double. Uh, 1990 FA Cup third round, 3-1 victory, uh, Letizia, Rod Wallace and Barry Horn. Um, and September 2003, a 3-1 win again, of course. Uh, James Beattie with a double and an Anthony Gardner own goal. Head-to-head head, then, Saints have won 65, Spurs have won 85, and we've drawn 51 times. Uh, before we get your, uh, your preview, Tim, I've got a little bit of a, a quiz here for you. It's not much, but uh, yes, I just want, want to know where your mind is. Highest paid players in the team in the Premier League uh, and the team's biggest transfer. No cheating now. I'm going to give you Crystal Palace.
0: Highest-paid player in so Zaha. Yeah, how much? Uh
1: 180. 180. Not a bad guess. Uh, oh, and the record okay. transfer. Um, we'll go with Gui Gwe, Guihi or twenty. Was it
0: 23
1: no, for him? No, I will tell you. It's Christian Benteke, 27 million quid. Wow. So there we go. Um. So was so, that because he was from probably and he, yeah, he was he was good once. He could actually score.
3: Yeah, when he was a bit. Oh,
1: yeah, good player he was. Nice, strong, good in the air, good finisher. Yeah, we could have used him. I would have taken him. Uh, Tim, right, Spurs then. How's it going to go? Shit. Right, and then <laughs> next week? Uh,
0: going back, our probably our best game of the year was Tottenham away. If you ever got to take a look, please look at the highlights. The first half was the most ridiculous I've seen us play in all any game whatsoever. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. We had over ten shots in goal in the first half alone. Two late goals from J W. Uh, from from a J W P. Crosses. Um, yeah. Yes, from two from two late goals from J W P. Crosses with uh, for Muhammad Ali and Che Adams in the rain. Our friend Stevie was there. Shout out to him. He sent me some uh, some snaps from that a while back, and I was completely jealous of that game. Um, but nonetheless, Spurs took fourth last year, 71 po- uh, points, qualifying for the Champions League on- under Antonio Conte. Spurs c- swiftly corrected the mistake by hi- of hiring Nuno Esperanto Santo at the beginning, even though he got manager of the month in August of 2021 and brought in Conte in early November. From there, uh, this offseason, Spurs injected $150 million in capital to use for a number of signings. Uh, so the Conte way uh, going from there. They signed, for most notably, Ivan Perisic, uh, Busuma from Brighton, uh, Richarlson from Everton, uh, Clement uh, Linglet nice. from Barcelona on loan, uh, Jed Spence from Middlesbrough, and our boy Fraser Forster. Forster uh on a free from us. Uh the only two real notables uh that are outgoing number one is Steven Bergwine from I, for Ajax uh and then CCV Cameron Carter-Vickers American center back uh is uh, after a, a year loan spell on Celtic he, they did sign him permanently. But uh, they do still have, uh, since it's the, the, end of the, the end of the year, the end of the signing period isn't over yet. Uh, we are still looking at like probably a lot of outgoings from them, uh, definitely some more impending ones. Things that are, ru- people that are rumored for them are Sergio Rigulion, Giovanni Lo Celso, Joe Roden, uh, Emerson Royal, Harry Winks, Dombalay, Ndombele, Ndombele. Uh, potentially Brian Gill on loan and then Jeff at Tanganga, who we've been linked to every now and then oh, as yeah. well. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. So those are, the, those are looking for like the outgoing. So there's still, um, to, so to us, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Some of those players might play, but I don't think they're going to, any of them are going to feature primarily. Uh, so knowing Antonio Conte, he's got a traditional three, five, two formation, uh, provides that he makes that they make the best of wing backs and pushes the fitness of all of his team to the limits. So, what are we looking for when it comes to their uh, expected formation? Fortunately for us, for Charleston is suspended for one game for throwing a flare into the into the uh, into the into the fans, but that's fortunate huh. for us. Good yeah. So we've got, um, so Hugo Ruller is going to start with their back three. Uh, you'll have Ben Davies as a left center back, Eric Dyer and Christian Romero Romero, uh, for, uh, wing backs of Iman Parisic and Matt Doherty. No Spence. Although it's spelled Doherty. Yes. No, Spence will not start. Uh, he'll come on. Um, because, And then you've got in the middle field, too, of PEH, so Pierre, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, along with Rodrigo Benziker. Nope and then Sun that. Kane and And uh, Nope, and Kulovetsky will uh, will be there. The subs, since we've got five subs in the year, things that I'll feature that I look to expect, um, either in some part uh, because of the five subs, you'll see players on the bench who will definitely get uh, get on the field at some point. The Summa, Spence, and Lucas Mora are my three locks to to get on the to get on the pitch. Just school. <laughs> yep. What what is our key battle? Uh, well, it's literally just us against ourselves. And if we can handle a back three, uh, I do uh, predict that we will also be in a back three formation. And he was really good about. Um, Uh, And by he, as in Jacob, was very great about um, looking to see what type of formation we would expect. I think what we lined up against Villarreal uh, will be great, except I don't think Mara will start. So seeing that uh, Buzunu will be our starting keeper, Salisu, Benarik, and ABK, uh, I think Gineppo will start, although that's not necessarily what I would prefer. I think Gineppo and KWP. I think it will be Ward-Prowse. Uh, Lavia, Stu, Aribo, and I think Che will be the uh, the actual the starter up front.
1: Excellent. Okay. Uh, all that's left is the predictions. So uh, I'll start things off then. Uh, I had this score written down a long time ago, as soon as the transfers were announced. Sorry, the fixtures were announced, <laughs> and I haven't swayed from it at all. Um, and I know that some people in the Discord have said this as well. But I'm not changing it. I'm going to go a 3-1 Spurs win. That's
3: exactly what I've written
1: down. Oh, OK. Are you staying?
3: <coughs> yeah, I don't I'm going to
1: stay. OK. Uh, I know that Alex is also going for a 3-1. And, Tim, we already have your prediction. You said 9-0, didn't you?
0: That is correct. 9-0 Saints win as Ralph licks the tears off of Antonio Conte on the, on the sideline. Okay. But, but really? No. <laughs> uh, 2-0 Spurs win.
1: Hey, okay, perfect.
0: I really like how Jacob's so optimist, uh, optimistic compared to us.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not a great start, is it? I, okay, all that's left this week then. Kevin, I've got a where am I for you. Are you interested? What if I say then no? Then I will read it out for Tim.
3: Oh,
1: okay, <laughs> okay uh, so you understand. Um, the first clue was five points. The second clue was four points and so on down to the fifth clue for one point. Um, where am I? Okay, so this city is 128 miles from St. Mary's Stadium. You'd be mad to go for that, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and approximately 103 miles south of Old Trafford.
3: Mm. Deep in the middle, Ooh. Ooh.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, clue three for three points. Uh, one of the founding members of the inaugural Premier League finishing three points above the relegation zone. No. All right. Um, clue four for two points then in the county of west midlands on the river sherborne if you know your rivers I don't
3: know. you want the fifth clue yeah, I don't
1: okay uh you'll get it on this one nicknamed the sky blues with a capacity of 32,000.
3: Oh, yeah coventry
1: yeah coventry city. city and the name of their stadium
3: oh, wasn't it oh, it's named after the sponsor isn't it, it? is it um, was known as
1: the it was, it was known as the rico arena but it has changed Um, It is now known as the CBS arena or Coventry building society arena. So there we go, Kevin, one point. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Sorry. I put the pressure on you there. Didn't I? Yeah. Well, at
3: least I got a score to better.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Right. That is it for this week. Then Uh, next week, we will be back uh, for the Spurs game and we will preview uh, Leeds United at home. I return to St. Mary's. Um, Yes, uh, my thanks to, well, our thanks to Jacob Tanswell for for coming on today. Um, I will put all his details on the show notes. um, So please go and follow him and and subscribe to The Athletic for all his pieces um, and get on Twitter. And he's very, very active. Really nice guy as well. His his DMs are open. So, yeah, so contact him.
3: Yeah, dick pics. Send them all away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yes, um, so from me, Kevin and Tim at The Saints.
0: Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up my Southampton.
3: <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.